Men, give yourself permission to live large, to dream big, to step into your purpose, and to stop playing it safe to ignite your passion. You were meant for more. Today on the podcast, I talk with Matt Walker of Matt Walker Adventures, an amazing behavioral expert as well as mountain guide who brings these together to help men find their purpose. You're not going to want to wait to listen to what he has to say about archetypes, about discovering your sense of self, and about taking the grand adventure. But first... Welcome, welcome, welcome to Lost Man Standing. As I said, I've got a really cool podcast coming up for you. Hey, it's been a while since we've talked, though. Oh, my gosh. Someone reminded me that it's it's been like two weeks. They're like, what the hell are you doing with your life? You're working from home now. You're, you're not bound by time and space like other mortals. What are you doing? What are you doing not putting out a podcast a day? Ah. Uh, you expect too much from me. No, but in all seriousness, it's been good. It's been such an adjustment. You know, I was for the last year and a half basically doing a very physical, very tactile job, sort of just putting my shoulder to the grindstone and finding myself as a human being again, actually doing work, right? I've been exercising my brain. My body has for most of my life, just been a transport for my brain muscle. You know, it's like, it's the tank by which I carry the important treasure around, like in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, but that's changed. I took a giant leap forward working with men full time, and uh, and this is a part of it, and uh, it has been quite an adjustment. I don't know if you've ever worked from home before. I've got four kids. Uh, one of them is still at home full time. He's awesome, uh, and we got a new puppy, which is like an infant. So I've got a I've got a five year old human boy, and I've got an eight week old Italian Mastiff kind of corso puppy named Freya. She is she's badass. She is so cool. She's given my other dog, my Scottish Terrier Hobbs, a run for his money. It's good times. It's good times. I, um, I've having fun watching it, but it's led to a lot of sleepless nights. That is for sure. So it's been an adjustment. Um, I've been able to talk a lot more to you, though, and that's what's important to me. You know, that's why I did this in the first place because I was being contacted by men um, so much. It was getting in the way of the rest of life. And no, it wasn't. It, it was actually igniting this spark in me, this passion that was saying, hey, this is your gift. This is your calling. Step into it full time. And so that's exactly what I did. And it's not without risks. Honestly, you know, even landing in the situation was a bit like the divine boot. You know, it's like you feel the call to do it and then boom, you get pushed out of the airplane. And, and yet when you're falling, you have to dive. Right. It's like, OK, God. I totally mixed metaphors on that, didn't I? I mean, I don't think you ever want to dive from an airplane, right? Like, are you doing the dive form on that? I don't know. I'm not. That's for sure. I'm not diving, and I'm not jumping out of airplanes. Those are two things I'm not doing at all. Hey, it's interesting. I got a, an email from one of you. They said, uh, how do I get rid of negative emotions? I thought this was interesting. Uh, 
because it's so difficult to answer that because each individual is so unique. But I, I did want to talk about this because men are asking me this a lot. So when I got this most recent email, I thought, I'm going to just give this on the air. How do I get rid of negative emotions? So I would, I would just offer this. Emotions are actually a physiological experience. I know this is heavy for the beginning of the podcast, but I think we need to talk about it, okay? Emotions are, quite simply, a physiological experience. And then we go ahead and we attach interpretations and moods to those. Because this is true, it's, it's just easier to shift our physical experience than an emotional one or a cognitive one. So an unwanted emotion can actually be most effectively released in your body. So I'm going to give you a few easy pointers. This is me being very, very practical. First, just change your temperature. That would be a really good way. Turn the air conditioning on. Splash cold water on your face. Jump in an ice bath. Run a cold shower. This actually tricks your brain into a response to the hypothermic states that lower your heart rate sufficiently. And it reduces immediate emotional intensity. Seriously, you should try it. Second, I would say breathe. You know, breathing is kind of like the air conditioning of our body. And most of us forget to breathe, especially in a crisis or when we're stressing the fuck out. And you can do a lot of fancy things like four by breathing or pace breathing. But I, I just think remembering to breathe deeply and consistently is enough. Another idea, aerobic exercise. Get your heart rate 70% above resting rate. Uh, this can take any form, but... Uh, typically takes at least 20 to 30 minutes. The great news about aerobic exercise, it doesn't just release negative or unwanted emotions, but it also increases the dopamine, and those make you feel so much better. This is a really good option uh, for people who don't want to pop an anti-anxiety pill. And I think there's a lot of us, right? Because those work. They also have tremendous side effects. Last tip, muscle relaxation. You can tense or squeeze each muscle group from head to toe um, and then fully release that tension. You increase um, your ability to do that over time, by the way. But all of these take time. You know, basically count on all of them to take at least 30 minutes of active practice to, to work. And to be honest, a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people get bummed out. They want to pop that pill. But just remember, the pill itself actually takes time to activate also. And these don't come with the side effects. So try those. Get physical. It is way easier to eliminate your bodily experiences than it is your emotive or cognitive ones. So if you want to tackle an unwanted emotion, get physical. I actually did this the other night with a group of men um, in a ritual men's group that I lead here in my hometown. We went out into the forest one uh, late night, it was dark. Uh, it was it was just so intense, and uh, we 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 did a few exercises leading up to it. Um, but the fires were burning well until midnight, um, and we went into a sacred grove or a, just a grove of trees, and we began to move our bodies in this kind of ecstatic dance, um, and and then really released uh, our emotions through a, a process of catharsis. Damn, my body was so sore the next day. My body was just exhausted, but I've got to tell you, uh, it left me feeling so deeply connected, so alive, 
And uh, I recommend that for anyone who is trying to process things um, through through uh, their body. Sometimes you just need to like dance it off, shake it off. Men don't do that very well, by the way. Do, do you? Do you dance? I think everybody does that one move from Hitch that I'm aware of. That one Hitch move. Do you remember that? Uh, that movie Hitch with Will Smith where he shows, what is it, Kevin James, how to do this very basic step back and forth slide dance thing. Every man I know does that. It looks good, too. It's, it's, uh, it's well, well worth it. Uh, the other night I was, uh, I was talking to, to my kids and uh, started to just storytell. Started to just storytell. I was talking about being resuscitated, being brought back to life from the dead uh, through, through just moving your body. How you can feel absolutely defunct, totally broken. And then you start to move your body. You start to dance a little. You start to wiggle. It's like, it's like cancer in reverse. That's, that's the resurrection power. Cancer in reverse. Reverse cancer descending into you, spreading throughout your cells. Uh, making making some some cancer like resurrection movement into your body. That's what happens. It happens fast and it happens hot and it begins to spread throughout. It begins to mutate and and become a, a a force. If they were to do a CT scan on you, they would whatever those scans are. They would find that 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 cancer like resurrection force was glowing white white hot. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Okay, um, men, here's a, here's a thought for you. I, I know that, that part of this show is hilarity, part of it is irony. You know, I'm a shtick, right? Like, somebody posted on my social media the other night, they're like, post something original. Post something original. What you're saying isn't even groundbreaking. What you're saying isn't, isn't even, uh, isn't even, um, novel are you serious as a culture we are so addicted to novelty but the truth is it doesn't exist everything is derivative I'm not out there trying to claim that everything that's mine is mine anyway but but the reality is this guy this jackass this joker was wrong anyway um <laughs> it's so funny looking at his post just so intense he was like this this post would be a lot more a lot more impactful if you did this and then this. And then, like, I look at his following. He's got, like, four followers. I'm like, are you serious, dude? Thanks thanks for your, your hot tips there. Makes me feel real nice there, Clark. Real nice. Oh, yeah. Seriously. Come on. Come on. What, what are you doing with your life? I, I actually have a friend who is kind of like a professional troll. He trolls people professionally. This is what he does in his off hours. It's how he gains fun in his life. I, I, I'm so weirded out by this. This is a weird move to me. If I was, if I was this person's therapist, if I was this, this person's spiritual guide, I would say, stop it. Stop it with the negativity and the, and the scorching earth move here. Nobody needs that in their life. <sighs> Nobody needs that in their life. But here's the thing for men, okay? For men, if we are going to, uh, to go forward together, 
And, and you have to know that with me, you're getting a dose of, of that irony. As I said before, you're certainly getting some profanity. It's the prophetic and the profane, for sure. It's the sacred and the sacrilegious. And I am a shtick, right? I am a, a kind of armored best version of myself. I don't even know how to say that. Um, if you met me on the street, you'd go, are you serious? I'm like actually five foot one. I'm five foot one, and um, and my pants sag often. I don't wear a belt. I uh, I don't often change clothes, and I need help. <laughs> what the? This is crazy. This is not true. I'm I'm not in fact five one. I don't know why I just told that to you. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You got to understand that I believe deeply in irreverence. Irreverence is the circuit breaker, right? Nietzsche said, I would believe only in a God who dances. Come, let us slay, not with, not with profundity and seriousness, <laughs> but with laughter. Yeah? If we're going to approach life, we got to laugh harder. I know some of you men, you're out there, you're like, what do I want? What do I want in life? I want to be serious and grave. I want to be profound. I want to have a take on life that people listen to. Damn it, you're so serious. Get off your high horse. Nobody cares. The worst part is the world does care. We're so outraged. We're so outraged over everything. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. I keep on saying what the deal is. The deal is this. Get over yourself. Get light. Discover how, how to fly, how to dance a little. Move your body. That was the, maybe the whole point of that shtick. Okay, man. So I work with men. This is part of what I do. I help men discover their sense of self. I help men uh, find their inner sense of being wild and free. I do that as a spiritual teacher, a guide, a men's coach. Um, and uh, I'd love to help you. If you're listening to this right now, if you're tuning into this, I, I certainly would love to talk to you if you're in a place where you're looking to have a joy-filled life. You know, um, my wake-up call uh, came in the form of being confronted by feedback I could not ignore in life. I've told this story before, but the truth is, this is such a good story because I remember this one period of time where I had this toothache for the better part of a year, and I was just, I was kind of like, popping Advil and Tylenol and ibuprofen, just ignoring the hell out of that until I couldn't, until I'm like, you know, I'm a six foot three man. There, I see I said my, my real height. I'm a six foot three bearded Viking of a man and I'm, I'm huddled on the couch. I'm that five foot one saggy pants monster on the couch, rocking back and forth, chomping on a, on a napkin, drooling out of my face, making a kind of moan, kind of like a wild animal moan that's coming out of me. And I'm doing it because I'm trying to keep it in. And finally, my, my wife says to me, damn it, go to the dentist. I go to the dentist. The dentist is like, oh, my God. This is like seven minutes away from, from going 
what's that word? Ah, I can't remember it, but it's basically where you have an infection in your tooth and it goes to your brain. He's like, thank God you came in when you did. We need to, to do surgery. And then he started dancing just to improve his own spirit. I'm just joking. But my point is on that, that, that I could have died from that. I had ignored it for so long. But sometimes the universe serves us up something that we cannot ignore. And I couldn't. I came to a point in my life where I could not ignore the feedback I was getting. And it was like the whole universe was saying to me, it was time to deal with parts of myself that I had desperately avoided. Life was demanding that I learn the skills of radical authenticity, remembering my purpose and building tribe. And that's exactly what I did. I took steps to reorganize my life, to make amends for what I could. I began to work with my hands and make my way in the world. And one by one, I certainly was fortunate enough to build my tribe. And guess what? Those failures, that feedback, that confrontation made me into a better man. And I committed to the process of being mentored, of being trained, of being taught, of being poured into, uh, which saved my life. And now I convert my lessons, the lessons that I learned uh, through my own blow up and burnout and, and deconstruction process to help you save time and money so you don't have to. And here's what I do. I help men rediscover who they are, where they're going, and who is going with them. I do this by employing a lot of modalities, right? I mean, this is something that I've been doing for a really long time. Um, I lead ritual men's gatherings, online rewilding groups, and I help other coaches know how to sit with their clients to develop coaching structures. Whew, that's a lot. Yeah. So together, uh, we do a lot of exploring of values and actions and the alignment between the two. And most of my work just helps center men on taking those steps towards initiation. If you're interested, if you're a man who needs that process, I want to talk to you. You know who you are. You absolutely know exactly who you are. You deserve to live wild and free. You're worth the investment. You need a seasoned mentor and coach, someone who knows what the hell they're doing because they've been there where you're standing and have pulled themselves clear. You're dealing with real life stuff. You deserve someone who's more than just theory and inexperience. You have to get the life that you want, okay? All right, enough said about that. If you want more information, go over to evolvingwild.live. That's evolvingwild.live. You can also find us on Instagram or on Facebook under Evolving Wild. Okay, well, I think that's it. I think I've said my whole piece. probably said more than that. My manager's going to be like, shut the hell up. Next time, don't talk. We're going to hire a producer for you to cut you off at the tap, boy. But that time has not come yet. All right, gents. Hey, stay wild, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Maybe you can tell me what you think is going on. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain. sunshine and rainbows it's a very mean and nasty place and i don't care how tough you are it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it this life's hard man but it's harder if you're stupid i've been around you know there was a time i could see and i have seen but there is nothing like a sight 
of an amputated spirit. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Today, woo, I've got the style and profile like never before. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. And I'm saying, woo, right here. I'm the man. All right. Hey, everyone. This is Rainier Wild with Matt Walker. And uh, super excited to have him on. We've been trying to do this for a while. And honestly, like everything podcast related, it seems like it goes through multiple life cycles before it actually materializes. So I'm really happy to have you on Last Man Standing, man. Great. Thanks for thanks for having me on. I think uh, our original plan was to be drinking whiskey and sitting on a fire <laughs> at this moment. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll take a rain check on that one. <laughs> Huge disappointment already. <laughs> but hey, it's, it's never too early to drink, even though it's the morning. I'm sure that we, <laughs> we can figure something out. No, uh, it's good to connect, man. And um, so, yeah, like first off, who the hell are you and, and, and what is happening in your world, man? <laughs> who the hell am I? Great question. Uh, <laughs> constantly going through multiple iterations. Um, yeah, so I, um, wow, I'm a mountain guide uh, by trade, and my background is in behavioral science. So I have a master's degree in behavioral science. And the work I do is connecting those two pieces together, taking the lessons learned from adventuring and climbing and expeditions and applying them to a personal and professional development space. So I do that through running adventures, going, uh, climbing trips, rock climbing, uh, mountain climbing all over the world. And then um, also through keynote speaking and um, through coaching. So I do a lot of one-on-one work, one -on -one work uh, with individuals, men and women, um, and support them through um, really it's most of my clients are individuals that are successful in most aspects of their life and yet feel um feel like there's something missing like they're not really directly connected um with their with their purpose i mean mm. that's the best way of saying it like they're they're not as spiritually connected they're not um they're just left wanting something more mm. uh wanting to be fully engaged in their lives and and show up as a father show up as a parent uh um, in their community as fully as they can. And, um, and so I utilize adventure as that, that catalyst. How in the world did you get into mountain guiding is what I want to know. Well, you know, I, I grew up in Morristown, New Jersey, which is the Mecca of all great American alpine climbing. Is it? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. I was like, what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, yeah, so I grew up in New Jersey, uh, North Jersey, and um, yeah, it's funny. I uh, I took an outward bound course when I was sixteen uh, wow. in high school, and was immediately hooked by it. And uh, so, you know, there's two things that stood out for me on that program, which were you know, sixteen, um, in definitely like a sponge, just absorbing and seeking uh, meaning and definition in my life. And the two things that stuck out for me was. One, I was much more capable physically and mentally than I ever thought I, I was. So being pushed really hard and then being able, and then pushing further. And then two, the um, aspects of companionship and connecting together uh, and working together in a team in, in, in an environment that I'd never experienced before. So coming off that 
experience, I, I was just hooked and wanted more and more of it. So I left Jersey and went to um, Washington state where I went to undergrad and um, yeah, just uh, I, I did graduate from university, but I really focused all my time and energy on, on climbing, not climbing. And it just kind of took off from there. So outward bound is uh, it's a specific program for youth. Um, what, what makes up their program? What was that like? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge outward bound guy, so okay. I actually did work, work for them uh, at one point early on in my, my career uh, for one season. Um, but basically what it was, it was a bunch of high school kids and um, early, younger college kids. We, it was a course in Maine and we went out uh, and knew nothing and uh, were taught, you know, how to travel in the backcountry, how to travel uh, on skis, how to ice climb, um, and hmm. yeah, how to cook and how to, how to live in the mountains in the winter. And uh, it was this big winter mountaineering course. And from that, I just launched into it. And the, you know, the, the takeaway for me was, um, to, was really seeking mentorship. And that's, that's, that was the biggest piece that I took away was, and when I went to university, I did the same thing. I sought out people that were much more experienced than I was in order to, to be in that mentee role. Um, so yeah, it's a, you know, the Outward Bound programs, the, I actually lived, right. I, I live in Mazama, Washington and live uh, two driveways down from the uh, North Cascades Outward Bound program. So, um, so it's funny cause they, they're neighbors now, but, um, it's interesting. yeah, those programs are, I think, they're amazing. Knolls or outward bound or any, any programs that, you know, that are, are organized that way around bringing, bringing community together and, and, and challenging. What and so when I first started applying this information, applying, like trying to, to figure out how to take the lessons learned from adventuring and apply them in a personal development space for adults. Um, my original thought was how do you take a two or three week outward bound or Knowles program and distill it down into three days? Mm. Cause how many adults can take three weeks off from their responsibilities to go do a program like that? Not, you know, it's not many. So how to take that information and distill it down and, and, and apply it in three days. And so that was, that was the, uh, that was a real impetus for the, for the work that I do now. It's interesting hearing you say that because on one hand, there's this essentializing, right? It, like mentorship is important. There are these things that are important, but it wasn't just any kind of mentorship. And you're not even just talking about any kind of experience. You're talking about an immersion in the wild or a risk that has to do with nature itself. Why is that important? Yeah, I mean, I think it's becoming increasingly important as we, um, you know, we live very blessed lives um, hmm. in terms of our physical needs being met. We, you know, we, 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 at any given moment, we have access to shelter, to clothing, to food, uh, water, sanitation, you know, all those things. And um, as a result, it, it, it's a double-edged sword. It allows us to be super creative. And, um, but at the same time, it detaches us from the, our core essence in terms of um, of self care and community. Like we don't we don't have to take care of our basic needs because they're essentially taken care of for us. Mm. So these experiences really just kind of dial the whole system back and, and put us in a place where we have to um, become much much more self reliant uh, in terms of our our own skill set and ask for support 
in community. Um, and I think that's like when, when I, when I'm on expeditions and I'm taking people out into the world, uh, out into the, like the wilderness, um, I think that's the, one of the very first things people will recognize is like, Oh my God, I actually don't really know how to take care of myself. Hmm. Really poor at doing that. And so we start, you know, essentially start there. Um, you... So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to, to, to witness and watch how that transformation takes place and then to see how people translate that into other areas of their lives. You just brought up something that I think is really interesting, which is that dialectic between being self-reliant and also being community interdependent. Mm-hmm. And that's something we don't do very well culturally on either side. It seems like we're weak yeah. on both sides. Yeah. Well, we don't have to, I mean, you really don't have to, like you can, you can float through the world with very little self-reliance and simultaneously not really be a member of a community. Hmm. Um, one of the talks that I, I give, um, I, uh, so actually, so I, I do a couple of Kilimanjaro trips each year wow. and, um, and this fall we're doing one that is an all men's group. And we had a kickoff call the other day, just kind of went over all the details and logistics, but I capped it off by bringing up this point, which is, um, this idea of expedition behavior, which uh, Knowles really coined that term, National Outdoor Leadership School, coined that term of expedition behavior. And I, and I actually, I distill it down even further, which is um, basically how not to be a dick. That, is, <laughs> that, that feels that, more appropriate. That I, what's that? That feels more appropriate. <laughs> yeah, that's what expedition behavior is. And what it means is like, you, you know, you, your water bottle is empty. You're going to go fill your water bottle. If you're going to go on the walk to go fill it from the stream, you ask your tent mate or recognize that he or she may need water as well. I mean, it's super simple, but right. it's like broadening the idea. And so when someone has poor expedition behavior, they're, they have the lack of awareness of the needs of others and of the community. Hmm. So that really is a, you know, it's, it's, it's this very simple, it's like, just don't be a dick, be kind, you know, kind to yourself, take care of your own needs and at the simultaneously take care of the needs of the community as a whole. And we all, um, you know, we're all rewarded as, as a result. So, yeah, I think, um, when you remove those aspects of, um, of ease of our lives, it pushes us to a point where, um, you have to step up. And if you don't step up, it's really glaring. Hmm. It's really obvious that you're the team member that doesn't take care of their, take care of themselves. And as a result, can't take care of others. Hearing you talk reminds me of my, uh, (laughs) reminds me of my kids. Right. (laughs) And I'm particularly thinking about my two. Hearing me talk reminds you of your kids. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) There was a better way to say that. I'm sure. Um, no, I, hearing you say that about good expedition behavior reminds me of how poorly at times they can behave and how self-centered mm. I think I notice them. And I'm constantly trying to emphasize this, this aspect into their life. But it occurs to me that my eighth grade son is reading Lord of the Flies. And what is being oh. drilled into him is this idea that at their core, if humans are released into the wild, we are nasty, brutish 
cruel animals. And I don't think that's true. I actually think the experience of being in the wild and community with others actually has the potential to transform us into much more selfless. Um, yeah. Would you agree I mean, with that? Oh, I would absolutely agree with that. And I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just pausing as I think about all the different, um, you know, when I, when I, when I just take a moment and reflect back on the key takeaways that I've had and that I feel like my clients have had on these experiences, God, 90% of them is around relationship. Wow. It's around, you know, the team, teamwork, camaraderie, um, the ability to um, let your guard down and be honest, um, to be, um, to be in service to others. So, yeah, I, I would agree that I think that there is that brutish, um, cruel possibility that can occur, but, um, but there's the flip side too. And, um, does it have to be mental? You know, I, I, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll just be really honest. Like I remember early on in my career, I think I was like two years in, I was guiding an expedition in Argentina and it was a nasty rainstorm and we we're at base camp and, um, which I, you know, I don't remember the details exactly, but I do remember that I left my clients kind of hanging for a little bit. Like I went into this park service tent to get some details and around some camping information. And I was in there a little bit, what they perceived and I mean, I'll, let's go with their perception. They perceived it as to be a little bit longer than I needed to be. <laughs> and I came out and they were pissed. Mm. It was like, you just left us hanging. And so hanging, like, you know, I dropped them as, as a leader. Wow. Um, you know, left them in the cold, in the rain while I was inside this shelter. And so I think that there's the opportunity for really direct feedback and, and immediate course correction and behavior. And that, you know, that instance was 20 years ago and it sticks with me to this day when I'm in a, in a situation like that. It's like, am I dropping my, my team? Mm. Am I dropping my partner? Am I, you know, fully showing up? Am I taking care of my needs above someone else's to the, to their detriment? So, um, so yeah, I think there's the opportunity for cruelty in that way, but there's also the opportunity for immense uh, generosity and growth. How do you think men in particular benefit from the kind of experiences that you're talking about? Is there, is there a, a yeah. specific application to men? Well, I think, um, I mean, some of it, some of it I think is so, I've, I got to pause because it seems so obvious to me mm -hmm. uh, that I don't want it to be like pedantic, but um, we are really good at, at being in task and doing and not so good in being uh, in relationship outside of the task. Mm. So um, I find that these experiences uh, force us to be able to um, recognize what's happening in our own bodies when we're in points of strength and when we're in points of challenge or weakness and ask for support and, and then, and then recognize in others. So, um, you know, it forces us to be in a relationship for longer than an hour at a time, mm. um, you know, multiple days in an extreme environment. So I think it, uh, the gift is like that you get the opportunity to, 
be in relationship for a long period of time. So you, you have the, the opportunity for laughter and just like tomfuckery and just messing around combined with, you know, two hours later, you can have a heartfelt, mm. more centered conversation. So to be able to be in relationship and have both of those at the same time. Um, and the wilderness just kind of strips that away. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, mountains are so iconic in terms of, uh, of challenge and, um, and calling, um, kind of like a, a primal calling for us because mm -hmm. it, it really is a tonic. It works. Um, the challenge that I see is it's really easy to go like on a rafting trip or go on a, in the mountains or whatever with, you know, with a bunch of beer and, and, and a barbecue and just kind of like um, keep it real surface mm. and have, and just keep it surface, keep it fun. Um, and, um, and keep the bravado up. It's another thing to voluntarily engage in something that is really challenging puts you in a place of vulnerability and um, where success is not guaranteed yeah that's a that's that's a much riskier um and uh and courageous move from my my perspective i want to actually use that as a bit of a jumping off point because i think that we you and i in this moment could live on on a certain surface level. And for us, maybe the discourse about programs and products and processes and philosophy, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe that could be the top level for us. Sure. What's occurring to me is that one of the reasons why I do what I do and am passionate about what I'm passionate about is it's born out of a lot of pain. Um, mm -hmm. My personal experiences uh, generated uh, such immense pain that it forced me into an action. It forced me into a certain new way of being to address those things. And, um, and I guess I'm wondering, you talked about the importance of purpose and helping people find your purpose. I guess I'm wondering, do you have those places in your life that forced you into finding your purpose? And would you reflect on them at all? Or would you mind sharing about those? Yeah. Um, just pausing for a second. You know, going back to the Outward Bound course when I was 16, that was, it was a huge, made a huge impression for me uh, in terms of companionship, like what it, what it could look like to be in, in close relationship with someone. Um, <laughs> I moved around a bunch as a kid and, um, you know, it was, pretty good at, at keeping surface level relationships, um, but didn't have a lot of practice in having deeper level relationships. So, and didn't really know that that could be done minus um, time. Like just because I didn't know someone for 10 years, then I couldn't be close to them. That was, that was what my previous thought process was. Hmm. And this was the realization was like, Oh, I can actually know someone for 10 days and be much closer to them. Um, so I think a lot of my work around that was born out of that pain in terms of, of uh, relationship and wanting to be in deeper relationship and, and offer that service to others. Um, and then from, um, gosh, yeah, I'm just going to pause for a second. Cause I think, I think it all ties back to that actually. Wow. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think about, I mean, not just that 
not that just that time, but just that topic. Um, I think, um, yeah, like all of the, the, the most significant expeditions that I've been on, significant projects I've been involved in, it's really been because of the relationship with the other, other men uh, in my life that have really driven that forward. Mm -hmm. So yeah, trying to heal that, that aspect, heal that pain. Hearing you talk about moving around a lot, I, I also really resonate with that. I moved 18 times in my first 18 years. And um, the more I learn about myself, the more I really realize that that created this deep longing for something stable, for something um, grounded and rooted. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering if this attraction to the wild and even to mountaineering and all of these things is birthed out of that same kind of detachment, maybe. That the, 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 the moving or the, 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 the transitioning. Yeah. Well, I think, um, if it's birthed out of that detachment, yeah, I mean, <laughs> when I'm going to take this a couple steps further. So Good. I think about the, um, the mountains and the wild as being like the ultimate expression of, of the feminine. Mm. It's totally fucking chaotic. <sighs> Things are always changing and it's beautiful. And there's this amazing gift as a result of it. And you, you get to, you know, but, but conditions are changing all the time. Uh, you're in this, you know, it's like you're in this beautiful mountain environment, this beautiful world. And yet it's always shifting and changing. The weather changes, the landscape changes, the snow conditions shift. Uh, you know, it's like the ultimate expression of the feminine. Um, and the more that I can be present in that environment and operate in that environment and not be completely thrown off by all of the different variables, the more grounded I feel. Mm. So I would say like, it's a, this, it's like perfect for me, this perfect kind of testing and proving ground of like holding both the masculine and the feminine at the same time. I love hearing you talk about nature and the wild and, and mountains and the earth as this ultimate expression of the divine feminine. And I'm realizing I haven't actually done a great job talking about this dialectic between the masculine and the feminine as much as I would like to you kind of just slid naturally into it. I'm wondering if you could, um, <laughs> I'm wondering if you could articulate that, that dialectic from your perspective, just a little bit, what does it mean to inhabit the masculine and then the feminine, these archetypes that you're kind of referencing? Yeah. So when I think about, um, like, I mean, it's just the way I just described the feminine is just, it's, you know, in all the, the beauty of it, the, uh, ever changing nature of it, uh, the fluidity of it. Um, the chaos of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, it's just, it's like the, you know, it's, 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 it's like the weather. It's just constantly shifting and changing. And yet, um, God, it's beautiful. Like, how could you, how can you turn away from it? Right. Yeah. And then the masculine being this kind of like the master of, of time and space and like, 
the idea of consciousness uh, to be able to operate um, with solidity in in that chaos. Um, I mean, think about it in terms of your own. I also, I guess, for me to take the metaphor a step further is I, I then take the idea of the feminine out into my to my work as well. Hmm. If I think about my work experience and my work day, and that it it is an extension of that same sort of of, of beauty, chaos, and uncertainty, and um, I have the opportunity there to um, stay solid in that. Mm. or be completely blown off course by each shift and change. Yeah. Um, and I guess I also just want to clarify for a second when I talk about masculine and feminine, that it's, it, this is, um, I'm not talking about gender, mm-hmm. right. <clears throat> you know, that, um, that we all have each, we all have a, a, a um, you know, a, a certain amount of this masculine and feminine energy within each of us and it shifts and changes. Um, but our essence <laughs> at its core is going to be more dominant one or the other, which is totally irrespective of, of our gender choice or gender alignment or however, the, however you want to say it. Yeah, this isn't um, necessarily about sex. Yep, this is right. archetypes. No. Yeah, so the um, the expedition itself mm. would be the masculine. The mountain would be the feminine. Ah, and, wow. Um, so yeah, so the expedition is completely you know, co-created experience. There's all different types of, of aspects to it, but, um, but the feminine is, uh, is the mountain landscape. It's mother nature. So when you're designing There's some, some mountain ranges that you just don't want to go to. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. I'm actually sitting here. I'm thinking about, um, last year, uh, my wife and I went to Kauai, Hawaii, mm-hmm. and this was my first time going. And I've been to a number of places, had never been there. And as soon as I got off the plane, I felt like I was entering a giant womb. You know, it was like, it oh, was yeah. so the temperature. The, the whole, yeah, totally. The whole it was, yeah. Like, yeah, physically, but also even at an emotive level, I mean, as you just referenced, the weather shifted. It went from brilliantly sunny to torrential downpour within seconds. Um, there was a mountain, and then right beside it was a beach. You know, it's like right. everything was shifting within it. And it was intoxicating, absolutely I intoxicating. Bet. Yeah. Yeah, and so, I mean, I think about that for a second. Just just that little story is like, it would be really interesting to notice how the locals operate hmm. in that, you know, when it goes from sunny and beautiful to just torrential downpour, how do they handle it? Mm-hmm. And that to me would be the essence of, of the masculine. It's like, how do I hold this space during chaos? Yeah. Actually, just to, to piggyback on that, I watched a documentary the other, um, the other night with my daughter and it was about the uh, eruption I can't remember which island it was on last year. Oh yeah, uh, that like you know it basically went through that through the middle of a neighborhood, <laughs> and like that would be the that would be the metaphor of like the complete total disaster, crazy, chaotic, feminine. And so, what did people do? They just stood back and let it happen. <laughs> like you you can't battle it at that moment, right? Yeah. And then once it shifts and changes, then you can reengage again. So, um, yeah, I don't want to like just kind of belabor that point, but the the lesson learned is like how to 
when you're, when you're in the mountains, and you're in that environment, how to take that ability to stay present during challenge, during chaos, during uncertainty, and then be able to be present, you know, when, when it transitions back to summit success or mm-hmm. you're watching this gorgeous sunset and um, to take that lesson and back to our, uh, into our personal lives, the same way that we, we parent, you know, we watch our children that they go through this entire spectrum of experience mm-hmm. and yet you stay, you stay present with them through, through their fit. And then, you know, and then you love them on the other side of it. Does what you're referencing, does that get back to your point about uh, the need for people, for men to develop um, a strong sense of purpose so that they can meet the challenges of life that they're in or talk about absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like if you, if you, if you're not grounded and have directionality in terms of what, what the purpose, what your purpose is, what your, where your action and energy goes towards, then you are going to be swayed by every shift and change hmm. that occurs around you. And that is going to be totally chaotic for you. And I mean, I, I, the, the, I, I watch this all the time with people that are thrown off by shifts and changes in the stock market. Hmm. Like if, if you're going to allow these, you know, this, these shifts and changes by this market that has, you have zero influence in to then determine your way, you know, your happiness and your way of being and your place in the world, you're pretty ungrounded. Hmm. So your purpose and, um, and, you know, in groundedness and like your, your, your direction in life um, is going to be absolutely is paramount in order to be able to function with that sort of, sort of um, uncertainty. And for me, I'll, you know, just the, the way that I have stayed centered to that is um, is through my own uh, practices, you know, through my own meditation practice, my own um, yoga practices, but also to be in, in brotherhood, uh-huh. to be able to have, um, you know, brothers that are able to actually call me out directly on when I am out of integrity and, uh-huh. um, and to test me. Uh, so that, that brotherhood is, is a key. Key, key component. I want to talk about brotherhood. I want to rewind really quickly to a question I had about purpose first, though. Mm-hmm. Sometimes men get bogged down, I've noticed, with the idea of purpose, and it can become almost an overwhelming topic. Um, we know that there's differences between goals and values and, and, yeah. and maybe even purpose, but could you could you define um, uh, purpose as you see it? Just Just pinpoint it down. What do you mean when you talk about a purpose? Yeah. So for me, what I mean is um, values and actions and alignment. Mm. So you can have all these values that you, they're important to you. You can have actions that you take every day. And when those two places are in alignment, then you're on purpose. Mm. That's the easiest way for me to describe it. That's great. So, yeah. So if you think if you're, if you're just, taking action throughout the day, just randomly doing shit. And that is not directly tied to a specific value Then you're off purpose. Mm. And that's yeah. There's nothing worse than being off purpose. I mean, what a, that, that's, that's where all of our addictive behaviors come from mm. when we are behaving off purpose. Would you say that every man has a purpose then? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, 
I think that is, um, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, you're you're shaking your head like, well, duh. Every man yeah. has a purpose. <laughs> right. Yeah, I can't. I just I just trying to think like that is uh, that's, like, that's yeah that's just like an, a core essential element of um, of the masculine. Mm -hmm. yeah. Is it something we're born so, with? So let me just yeah. Did you, I don't know. Did you did you catch that? So that it's not every man. It's of the masculine. Ah, talk more about that. Say that again or yeah, expand so, on it. Um, you don't have to have a cock to have purpose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good to know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> um, what I mean by that is like you, it is a core aspect of the masculine presence to have purpose, mm. to be on purpose, to be on point. Um, so it's a gender neutral um, state. So if you're, you know, if you're a woman that has more masculine um, essence, then that point, that feeling of being on purpose is core to who you are. Hmm. If you're, you know, if you're a, a, a male with more feminine essence, being on purpose is not as important to you as um, creating art or, um, which, which is, I'm not, not, not saying that art isn't, isn't purposeful, but like uh, creating art in the world in, in more general sense. Yeah. And experiencing the sensuality of the world is more important. I remember when I was looking at graduate schools, I was really just interested in, in learning. And I was talking with a, a professor and he was trying to help me kind of figure out exactly what it was I wanted to do. And finally he kind of got exasperated. He looked at me and said, Hey, look, you can just be a renaissance man and go and get as many degrees as you want if you're the Medici. But my guess is you're not that rich. So you're going to have to figure out what is going to make you the most in life to let you get the most results. And then right. maybe consider. So he's talking very purposefully, right? He's talking very directionally. And I was kind of off in this like learning lust mode. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, a, I mean, just to belabor the point further that learning lust is the feminine yeah i just wanted to absorb it all beautiful. and yeah yeah <laughs> but there comes a time where it's like all right you gotta you gotta execute you gotta double down all right yeah. and and so uh, it's interesting because hearing that and kind of reflecting on his feedback brings me back to what you were talking about about brotherhood he and i weren't especially close <coughs> close, but he gave me this important form of feedback that repurposed me. Is that what you mean when you talk about brotherhood? Yeah, it is. I have, so I'll, I'll just reflect back on my own, um, small group that I work with right now. And, um, we frequently, uh, you know, have text threads going or we'll, um, we'll do calls, zoom calls with each other and someone will throw out an idea <laughs> and um, they get very direct feedback. Mm. Like I, uh, an instance happened the other day where two of us came back and we're like, that is complete bullshit <laughs> because of X, Y, Z. And it was just very matter of fact. And the guy, you know, the guy wasn't upset about it. He was like, yeah, you're right. I've claimed that this is my, the direction I'm going. This, thing that I brought up is not in that 
mm. doesn't support that. So you called me out on it. So I think the brotherhood piece, you know, built from trust and relationship um, is, I think it's a paramount um, pillar for our, for, for men's experience in the world. Like it, it is a non-negotiable for me must be present and i will say like this doesn't mean that these are the dudes that i go out and climb with or that i go out and uh you know drink beer with and go to the pub with like so there is some crossover there but the more important aspect is that we share the um relationship and we share the responsibility to um to make each other better you know to force each other to be better men my son actually brought this up the other day. He was talking about, he was asking about um, <laughs> the men's group that I'm in. And he was kind of asking, he, call, he calls it the daddy's group. Um, and um, he's four, he's five, but he, he watches Ninjago, the Lego ninja show. And uh, I guess there's a scene in there or some phrase that they say where they're like, oh, like a steel sharpened steel. He's like, is it like that? Is it like steel sharpened steel? Like, like the Ninjago's? And I was like, that is exactly what it is. Steel sharpening steel. So yeah. I don't have to like be best buddies with these guys, but there's a commitment that steel sharpens steel. And mm. I think that that aspect is women are amazing at coming together and, and being supportive with each other this mm -hmm. way. And men, um, we aren't. So we have to actually you know, work harder and, and make it a practice. It's interesting hearing you talk about that because it, it brings to mind the fact that buddyhood is not necessarily the same thing as brotherhood. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah. I haven't heard that before, but I, I really like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your buddies are not going to call your bullshit. And if they do, it's going to be sarcastic and it's going to be flippant and no one's going to hold you accountable. Mm. But um, yeah. And we, yeah. as men, we really need that. Uh, it, it it's not impossible to find, I think, both. I mean, I think we have to have that balance of empathy and authority of validation and change in order to simply challenge one another. You've got to have, as you said, trust. But on the other hand, the permission that we give certain people to speak into our lives is different than we might just have with an ordinary friend. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there are certain things that... I will take my brothers that they're just not appropriate for me to take to buddies. Hmm. They're definitely not appropriate for me to take to a partner. Uh. I think, I think, you know, therein lies one of the biggest fallacies of uh, relationship, you know, of um, significant relationship is that is to take these topics and challenges to your significant other, because that is the person that you're supposed to be closest with. Hmm. Um, when there's plenty of topics that are much better ironed out and, and worked through in a brotherhood than they are in a significant relationship. So bring these three things together, because as I see it, we've kind of meandered between these three points, which is the wild. I'll, I'll label it as that finding your purpose and, and relationships or brotherhood. How do you bring yeah. those three things together? Because my guess is that that is exactly what your work does. Yeah. I mean, the quick version is I take people out into the wild, into environments they're not accustomed to. Um, I force them, force sounds like a hard word, but I force them to take a deeper look at what, how they show up in the world, what their actions are, what their values are, um, 
and I do it in community and the result is a, it's a chemistry. It just comes together. It's this alchemy. Um, mm. Honestly, I just provide the ingredients and, um, and the men do the work. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it comes out, it's, it's kind of like the sausage it comes out the other side and you got a sausage. So it's like, uh, yeah. How does it, what timeline does it follow? How does it always work out? It's, it's, it, I, I don't know. But um, but providing the challenge, putting it in a new environment, and, uh, and giving it the direction, and giving it the community, and people rally, and the, the it's I I can't under, understate just how phenomenal the process can be. Yeah, and I I also don't want you to undersell yourself because what you're saying takes to get those kind of results takes an immense amount of design uh, quality. I remember the old. Uh, transformational workshop, the mother of all of them, Est, um, that yeah. became landmark for yeah. them. They used to say, we don't transform people. We create the conditions for transformation to occur naturally and problems to clear up on their own. And, yep. and I actually think that's a, that's a brilliant and beautiful way of saying it, that you create the conditions where that happens. True. Yep. Yeah. And so the, the I think, you know, just to to speak to that a little bit, I think the biggest lesson I've learned is where to get out of the way to allow those conditions to occur. Hmm. So it's not in over-processing. It's not in belaboring the experience. It's not in, um, you know, it's for me learning when to talk and when to shut up uh, and, uh, and developing enough trust to be able to facilitate in an effective way so that things don't get out of control. Um, and, uh, and to model that type of, of leadership. So as I have progressed in running programs, what I've realized is less is more. Hmm. Wow. So yeah, it's conditioned. To, it, it's the, con I am literally setting up the conditions and then people are, but it's, it's up to the people to actually do the work. Have you ever had that go really badly? <laughs> <laughs> well, we can define badly differently. Um, I have had experiences like where I've taken a corporate team out and uh, within this, it was a three day trip and on the beginning of day two, uh, the get one of the guys wanted to kind of pull a meeting together and like basically declare he was a, the CFO and he declared that he was resigning. Oh, <laughs> I was like, well, that was unexpected, um, <laughs> but it was actually the gift. It was what needed to, to transpire like this, you know, what he had realized within those first 36 hours was he was holding on to an idea and, a and, a, and, um, and not being present in a way that was holding the organization and himself back. So what I say went bad, uh, initially I, it was, yeah, I was, not, I, I, I didn't know how to how, how to hold, hold that experience very well, but in retrospect, it was like that was exactly what needed to happen. Um, sometimes things go bad in the sense that um, you know the weather shuts down and it's it's dramatic and we don't get a chance to summit and people are really disappointed. Um, but it, then again, that's fodder as well for being in that environment. Like how how are you going to handle disappointment when and how are you going to handle um, what is perceived failure so yeah things no i'm gonna take that back things don't go bad things just uh it just happens and then you, you deal with it that way
yeah with whatever comes up because again this goes back to the masculine and the feminine right and navigating those things the chaos right. yeah well hey one last question that kind of comes to my mind is are, are there any questions that i didn't ask that you wish i would have anything that you really wanted to answer um i think the You know, what I'd like to actually just kind of throw out there and throw out to your listeners is a challenge. Hmm. So um, the foundation of my work is on this, this idea of the five elements of adventure. And we can, uh, we can put this in the show notes, uh, a PDF that goes over it. But hmm. the five elements are adventure, high endeavor, uncertain outcome, total commitment, tolerance for adversity, and great companionship. And the idea is that for us to engage in adventure, we need to, um, each of those five pieces has to be present. So I want to make sure that the listeners are aware that there is some foundation to being able to create adventure and to be able to analyze and look at, see how adventure shows up in, already in our lives. So, you know, we're all, adventure shows up in how we parent and our, in our significant relationships and the work that we do. It's like, we're constantly already engaged in adventure. It doesn't have to look like outside magazine or Red Bull advertisement or something like that. Um, so I, I want to put that out there and make sure that your listeners have that oh, tool great. available to them. And then I also want to invite them on a, a challenge. So the challenge is a 10 day challenge. And the way this works is, um, I want them to consider how their values and actions show up hmm. in the world and then think about, I want to challenge them to step fully into a value that is really important to them that has, that has not been present. Hmm. So let's say it's um, love or um, some kind of aspect of discipline or something that's of meaning to them that, that hasn't really, that they've been lax on. Uh, and as men, you know, the, I think the, the biggest sin that we can, um, that we can carry is, is laziness. Mm. So like when we are not on purpose, when we're not in our, we're not following our direction, we're lazy. And we are withholding that gift from everyone that we're in community with. Yeah. So the challenge is to identify one of those values that's not showing up, create an action associated with it, email me, and we'll put this in the show notes, so I'll, I'll put a link to it for the 10-day challenge. You're going to email me what that value is and what that action is, and then 10 days from now or 10 days from whenever you do it, send me the email. I will then follow up directly with you to hold you accountable. And as a brother, I'll call bullshit on it if it hasn't happened. And if it's too small of a challenge, I'll call bullshit on that. And if it's too big of a challenge, we'll call bullshit on that. So you only have 10 days to pull it off. So um, awesome. the idea there is that when you pull in another partner, in this case, it's me, but it could be anybody to be able to hold you accountable to that value you are going to actually show up and do it. That's fantastic. So we'll put that in the notes and, uh, and make that happen. 
Yeah, dude, I'm really excited. I hope that guys take you up on that. I think that uh, I think that that's something that we all need. And if we don't have it in our life, then um, an opportunity like the one you're saying is just, oh man, it's badass. Right on. I, yeah, I, I will demand so, it. What else have you got? I guess the next question I have for you is when are you going to go on a trip? I'm, I'm literally sitting here thinking, how in the world can I make something happen? What do you got going on next? What's what's the next big adventure? Yeah, well, we have an open enrollment program in July for a Mount Baker climb up in Washington State. Nice. Close uh, to me. There's, there's still some spaces for a men's program for the Kilimanjaro pro- climb in September. Um, and then we just trickle stuff out throughout the year. So, you know, check out the website, it's mattwalkeradventure.com and you'll see a variety of trips and programs, um, coaching opportunities, things like that. But those are the two things that I would, I would push men towards right now. That would be, uh, that Mount Baker climb in Washington state in July and the Kilimanjaro expedition in September. I'm sure it says it on the website, but do you need previous mountain climbing experience to go on these or do we need to start training no. now? No. So the, yeah. So for these programs, any of the programs that you're going to see on the website um, or the ones I just mentioned are all no, no previous experience required at all. Zero. And then once you're kind of in the community and we're working together, then these other more advanced trips start to trickle out to that, you know, that tribe. And, uh, but for anyone that's like initially gets exposed to it, you know, you can just start it at zero. Okay. And are these exclusive to men? Are they, are they specific to men or are they open to anyone? If a man's signing up, what can they expect? They should, um, they should ask. (laughs) (laughs) So it's both. I do men only and then, and co-ed. So if if men want to do something with their partner, Mm -hmm. that's available. Or if men are, you know, want to become, um, you know, part of a men's, uh, only group or, 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 or just being brotherhood with other men that that's that opportunity is available too. Awesome, yeah. man. I, I'm, I'm so excited to connect with you. I'm so excited. I mean, you're actually roughly regional like, and so this is personally exciting for me. And then I just think so much of what you're saying just really candidly strikes that balance that I often talk about between the pro bro and the yoga mat. It really actually takes that, (laughs) you know, that like, and David Dada talked about that beyond the new age wimp and the macho jerk. And I think it really is finding that place of deep balance with the masculine and the feminine. I love hearing you talk about this and, and it seems like you're doing a really a vital application of it. Right on. Thank you. appreciate that. That's, that's great accolade. Absolutely. So I think, uh, that having been said, that's all I've got to say. Any final words, man? No, I mean, I think, um, if there's any final word, I would say, you know, adventure is already a component of your life. Mm. You just got to start looking at it that way and seeing uh, how it already shows up. And then if it's not showing up, um, step it up. Badass, man. All right. Stay wild, everyone. (laughs) 